Gospel of John, chapter 17, verses 6 and 8. Jesus prayed, I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything that you have given me is from you, for I have given them the words that you gave me, and they have received them, and have come to know in truth that I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. Here ends the reading of today's scripture. Let us go to God in prayer. O holy God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So Jesus begins his high priestly prayer. We've spent three weeks on it, the opening five verses in which he prays that he will be glorified. He prays knowing he has an audience around him and he repeats to God exactly the plan that was laid before the world existed. And now, beginning in verse 6 and through verse 19 of this prayer, Jesus is praying for his disciples, for those who follow him. And he gets in there and he, and he tells God something quite impressive about those that have followed him, that God gave him to teach and to be with. He tells God, they have kept your word. That's really, really high praise. To keep God's word, to keep what he has taught and to keep what he has commanded. Now, we know the disciples, right? We've watched them throughout the other Gospels. We can say that that's not a 100% accurate statement by Jesus, that Jesus himself calls them to the carpet when they have failed, when they've tripped, when they've stumbled. Yet, Jesus tells God they have kept his word. Because the overarching narrative of their life with Jesus is that they have kept his word. And Jesus doesn't demand perfection out of them because he knows it's impossible for us to be perfect. But he says they have kept your word. And he tells us why in the first verse. He's, he says it's because he manifested the Father's name. He made God's name known to them. This is how they were able to keep his word is because they knew who God was. For you see, names are greatly important. A name stands for the total character and resources of an individual. Whatever you are, that is what your name means to others. And for instance, Whatever you are because of your name reflects back to the ones who gave you the name, especially when we think of last names. I grew up in a small town in Texas. So not only did what I do reflect back on my family, but who they were reflected onto me. Oh, you're Mark's boy. Oh, you're, you're Ben's grandson. 
Those are the things that are carried around. A name means a great deal and reveals and carries with it your character and your total resources with it. And when Ashley took my last name in marriage, well, quite literally, she took me for all I had. And it wasn't much. But here Jesus is, coming in the name of the God, the Father, proclaiming and praying that he has made known, that he has revealed, that he has manifested God's holy name to those who follow him. And because of this, they have kept his word. See, Jesus speaks to the importance of telling about his father and, and the relationship they have. In John chapter 6, beginning in verse 43, Jesus answered them, Do not grumble among yourselves. No one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws him. And I will raise him up on the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they will all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the father comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the father except he who is from God. He has seen the Father. Jesus repeats over and over throughout Scripture, to know Jesus is to know the Father. To have seen Jesus is to have seen the Father. Jesus has made known God the Father for all of us to see, to reveal the depths of His character and to show us the totality of His resources, the great love, the great grace that He has that can overcome all sin. This is what Jesus has done to those who follow Him in His ministry and in His life. One of the things Jesus revealed about God through his name that we have seen in Jesus, is that God is faithful. God is faithful. How many times does Scripture tell us God is faithful? We even see it when we see Jesus, who is reflecting back his Father's name, which means he's carrying his character and his total resources with him, that when Jesus says in this prayer, this was the plan before the world existed, and then we see Jesus go to die on the cross, so that we might be saved. And he said, I'll, be I'll come back three days later. And he was resurrected three days later, just as he said, because God is faithful. Because we've seen Jesus be faithful, we can be assured that God is faithful. This is who Jesus reveals. Paul writes about it in his letter to the Corinthians, beginning in chapter 1, verse 9. He says this, God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. And a little bit later on in that letter in chapter 10, in verse 13, he says, No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability, but with a temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. God is faithful. The whole work and life of Christ demonstrates to us how faithful God is to his promises. In Proverbs 18.10, the scripture 
says this, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. He who is a righteous man runs to it and is safe. Jesus reveals this about God as well. Come unto me and you will be saved. Jesus reveals that in our struggles in those times when we may have been tempted, that is common to men. He says, run to Jesus. And because of him, we can trust that God is a strong tower, that we will be protected. For we will not be seen as enemies approaching a stronghold. Rather, we will be welcomed as family and the gates lowered and opened so that we may enter because of Christ and be safe. For the Lord is a strong tower. Because he has made God's name known, those who were given to him have kept his word. And for us, for us, seldom do we not know what is right and what is true. Our problem isn't that we don't know what God wants us to do. Isn't that right? Our problem most of the time is that we do know what God wants us to do and we don't do it. Can I get an amen? amen? We know what God wants us to do and we don't do it. We struggle. And when we struggle, we begin to hear oftentimes the whispers of the evil one saying, well, you can figure this out on your own. You can handle this. Or why don't you go see so-and-so for advice or open up this magazine or read this book. When what we have at our fingertips is the revealed word of God, told to us by Jesus himself, he says, I gave you the very word that God gave me. This was in his prayer. I taught them the words you gave me. It's here in verse eight. Jesus, in his prayer, he says, for I have given them the words that you gave me and they have received them. And have come to know in truth that I came from you, and they believed that you sent me. So not only has he made God known, but the very words that Jesus speaks come from God the Father himself. And those that follow him have received them and know the truth. See, a, a couple of decades ago, I, I could have stood up here and and said, well, chances are that most in the congregation gathered here today are more familiar with the current issue of Reader's Digest than they are with God's Word. But it's 2020, so that doesn't work anymore, does it? So now I, I believe I can stand up here and say that we are more familiar with other people's business on social media than we are familiar with God's own Word. Here in Jesus' prayer, we know this based on what he proclaims, these three things. One, that eternal life is to know God and to know Jesus Christ whom he sent. Number two, that Jesus made known the very name of God 
to those that follow him. And number three, that Jesus has given us God's word. Therefore, to believe in him, to keep God's word, to know God and Jesus Christ, to gain eternal life cannot be done apart from reading, studying, knowing, etching on our hearts the very word of God found in Scripture. We cannot do it apart from the very Bible we have been given. I want to encourage you. Start reading Jesus' words. If you don't know, they're the red letters in some of the Bibles. Read Jesus' words, for he said that his very words were the very words God gave him. So focus on Jesus' words, the red letters, and take them seriously. Don't just read them, but receive them as a revelation of basic underlying truth. Take them seriously. God the Father does. God the Son does. God the Spirit does. And we are told that when we open Scripture and we read, that God the Spirit is there reading with us, helping us to understand and interpret exactly what it is God is saying. For it's in these words that they contain the truth of the world. The evil one. The evil one's not trying to convince us that there isn't a God because we can go out and we're blessed to be here on the ocean and we can come to a great understanding that yes, there is a God. The evil one is trying to chop it away bit by bit. The evil one wants us to be a bit skeptical of how trustworthy God's word actually is. He wants to chip it off a little at a time. The evil one would love to see that our Bibles are covered in dust or that the apps on our smartphones that we downloaded have gone back into the cloud and remain hidden. The evil one wants us to seek advice not from God but from the world. For in God's word, for in Jesus' own words, contain all we need for life. And seven times in the Gospel of John, Jesus makes an I am statement. And when we see Jesus make an I am statement, understanding the Hebrew language, understanding that Jesus was a Jewish rabbi and a studier of the faith, we see that when Jesus makes an I am statement, we go back into the Old Testament and we hear that God reveals himself as the great I am. And so when Jesus speaks I am, he speaks not only of himself, but manifests the name of God and he gives God's word unto us. And so he says in John chapter 6, Verse 35, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never be hungry, and he who believes in me will never be thirsty. In John 8, 12, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. 
in John 10, verse 9, I am the gate. He who enters through me will be saved. In John 10, 11, I am the good shepherd. And the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. In John 11, 25 and 26, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. John 14, 6, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And finally, in John 15, verse 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. There's the key. There's the key to life. There's the key to our struggles. Apart from Jesus, we can do nothing. Take seriously these words. Apart from Jesus, we can do nothing. Apart from Jesus, we cannot flourish. Apart from Jesus, we do not bear fruit. Apart from Jesus, we do not have life. Apart from Jesus, Our thirst is not satisfied. Our hunger pains remain. Apart from Jesus, eternal life is not for us. When Jesus prays, he says, I've given them your name. I have taught them your words and they have kept your word. May that be a goal, a model of what it looks like to be a faithful follower of Jesus. That the overarching narrative of your life is that of the disciples. Yeah, we stumbled, we failed, we messed up. Jesus never left us nor forsake us. And all the while, it's because we were trying to keep his word and bring him glory. For see, it's written by the Apostle Paul to the church in Ephesus, chapter 2, verse 8. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is a gift from God. Amen.